Hello, and welcome to another episode of Echo Punks, where we dissect, explore, and basically try to understand our society from an ecosystem perspective, which essentially means looking everywhere and uh, from everywhere to better understand a situation. And in this case, to better understand an individual, because as we near the end of 2023, I think if people were handing out awards for idiot of the year or clown or buffoon of the year, Elon Musk would be a unanimous victor. Uh, he sort of started the year with maybe a decent amount of credibility or even two years ago, a well-respected entrepreneur and billionaire. And now he seems to just be a laughing stock for many. He, he did have he did have competition at some point, right? Sam Bankman Fried tries to compete with him violently for Idiot of the Year. But I agree with you, Jesse. Um, Elon Elon is leading the race again, right? Yeah, I, you are quite right that it was yeah. a stellar uh, contest between you know two people who, in previous eras, I would never have believed that they could attain that power and status. But here we are, where not only can a clown become president of the United States, but a clown can, you know, literally be the kind of person of the year that we all pay attention to, in this case, for not good reasons. So, Jan, I, I, I'm glad that, you know, I, I think you were partly the provocation for this, because you were sort of talking to me about the uh, 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 New York Times deal book conference which uh, Mr. Musk recently spoke at. And I have to say, I, I'm shocked at what transpired, but I would love for you, for our listeners, for people who perhaps were not aware of this total fiasco, uh, what happened? And, and let me make this a two-parter. I'd love for you to sort of give me your take of what happened at the DealBook conference. But why don't you also remind us about what happened at the Code conference with Linda Yaccarino? who is ostensibly still the CEO of X, uh, 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 Elon Musk's social media company. So if you want to kind of lay both of us, both of those events out as a bit of context as to why we're kind of wondering what the F is up with Elon uh, and, and what's happening when we start looking forward to 2024. Uh, you're putting a lot of weight on my shoulders here, Jesse, but let me try and do my best. First of all, um, you brought up Donald Trump, uh, which was actually my plan to do at a later stage, because uh, both Elon and Donald I'd rather not talk about, but I'm afraid uh, we have to. And, and that's why we have uh, our conversation here today. So maybe I approach this in chronological order, starting with the code conference, right? Uh, at which uh, Linda Yaccarino, the CEO of Twitter, was basically on stage, uh, was interviewed and... Um, was confronted with a statement that uh, the owner of the platform, Elon Musk, had made. To her big surprise, she had never heard of it. And it was, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something that uh, was likely suitable to uh, annoy advertisers that were not on a good foot uh, with the platform to begin with even further. And Linda, to give her credit, right, who's coming from NBC, uh, where she led advertising sales, has a really, really good relationship with the advertising space. So those are her contacts that are being burned. But uh, even worse, so she wasn't even aware that Elon had said that and then was stumbling and uh, was very, very awkward. In German, we say fremdschämen to the emotion that I felt when I saw that, meaning being ashamed and embarrassed on behalf of others. 
So um, that was already really, really weird. And then, um, yeah, there was the Dealbook conference, Andrew Ross Sorkin's uh, New York Times uh, Festival of the Business, of the American business, I should say, hosted in New York last week. And uh, I think Linda Yaccarino was in the audience. Um, unfortunately, Elon Musk was on stage. And he basically... Um, told everyone that Twitter as a platform would most likely go bankrupt and that the advertisers who are not spending money are to blame. Uh, uh, although like, here, here, here's yeah. why I think it's important to establish mm -hmm. tone. I couldn't tell if he was being serious. Like it was I'll, not yeah. clear to me that his remarks throughout his present tour, I shouldn't say presentation because it was an interview. It was a conversation. But it was a presentation. No, you are right. It was not a conversation. It was a presentation. It was a performance. I'll come to the tone in a second because, uh, you know, there were other things that he said. Let me start with the pure facts here, right? So he then, in an absurd turn of events, uh, in a Trumpian way, openly, at a media event, last speaker of the entire week, right, of the entire day, says on stage that whoever is not spending money on Twitter should go and fuck themselves. And then he also calls up Bob, Bob Iger from Disney, who had spoken there before. And, you know, that was a moment where, you know, you could go, oh, there he goes again. It's just Elon, right? But no, that's not the way you should go there because that's the thing that people have gotten or, or let, Donald Trump get away with as well, right? Uh, Donald Trump, I'll never forget when he said on tape that when he, whenever he sees a woman, he grabs them, you know, by yeah. her genitals. Yeah. I thought yeah. that's it. That was the final nail at his coffin, and he still got elected, right? So, and and let me just pause yeah. you there because yeah. there's two things you said I want to quickly yeah. hop, hop pursue. One is, yeah. I think that that recording you described you know, grab her by the P was a turning point, not just in his campaign, but would later become his presidency. Cause that's when it was clear that whatever the traditional media throws at him is not going to stick. The things that would have disqualified any other candidate in political history does not apply to this guy. And that's why my second point, I'm kind of hesitant to use the word facts when talking mm. about these two individuals because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they transcend facts. And, and that's yeah. why I agree with you. It was a performance and I am still puzzling why he got into this, but, but please continue. Cause there were other so, dynamics of this that I, I think you so, want to so, bring to our attention. So with regards to that recording in the bus of Donald Trump, I agree with you. I'd go even one step further. I'd say the fact that this happened and he still got elected with a huge share of the female population right was a turning point in society because it basically has proven to everyone that you can cross the unthinkable lines and still get president of the united states and i, I, think I would we, go further and say he won because he crossed those lines possibly yeah possibly because he enraged his voters sufficiently you're probably probably right there but i think what we see here is also that uh, elon musk crosses all thinkable lines and no one cares Right. What has happened? Where did manners end? And, you know, you spoke about the tone and the whole demeanor. Um, it was strange. He said things, you know, as if he belonged to 
you know, an alien species. He at one point was telling Andoros Sorkin, tell this to Earth, right? He he wasn't quite there. Um, it was it was it was weird. It was really 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 weird. But you know what, Jesse? I think nothing is going to change. I disagree, and 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 here's why. Mm-hmm. I think he's a clown, but I don't think he's dumb. I think he's an idiot, but I think he's also very smart and very calculating and has a lot of resources. And I think on the one hand. He was nervous, right? Like the 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 one of the things we know about Elon is he he wishes he were a comedian. He aspires to the power that comedians uh, uh, command on stage. He likes to surround himself with yes, them. yes, yeah. And and I think part of what we witnessed was a failed set. Like he bombed, right? He tried to make some jokes and they fell flat on an audience that doesn't really like the guy. But I think that there was some like, and especially to your point about his use of the word earth, right? Like he, I don't think he was using the word earth casually. I agree. It made him come across as a being from another planet. And of course, this is the guy who keeps saying we need to colonize Mars, you know, in order to escape climate change. But I think he was calling to a kind of commons, right? A kind of people, the way, you know, a a dictator would call to the Romans, you know, yeah. like 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 the people out in the street. And I think that was part of why he has X and Twitter, right? Mm. That it is his way of, of feeling like he has a crowd. He has a following. He has a cult that he can call to, 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 to be able to defend him. And, you know, his point about, about being bankrupt by advertisers who are leaving him and, and blaming him was on the one hand, the typical display of his narcissism, right? That it's everyone else but him, right? Mm-hmm. That everyone else is the problem and, and he's the one trying to save things. But but here's, here's where I don't think that this is the end of the story and why I don't think that, that you know, uh, uh, that, that this will have no impact or that, because mm-hmm. you made another, let, let me just emphasize, you made another, I think, brilliant argument that Elon Musk is riding on the coattails of Mr. Trump. That that Trump blazed this trail of 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 irreverence, of profanity, of of just of, of doing whatever you want and defying all conventions, and people absolutely loved it. And Musk is now doing it and courting the same crowd and the same mainstream media is going, oh man, these like what do we do with these people? Like you know, they're just idiots. But I think this is Musk playing for the far right. I think he is he has in his calculations decided that the far right is winning, that they're gonna win. And and this is Mr. You know, pro-apartheid South Africa saying, Well, I know which side I'm gonna be on. And he's modified his rhetoric because he's anticipating what's gonna happen in 2024. Right? He's imp- anticipating how. You know, uh, you wrote a great article for our Gazette about the Dutch election, right? And and we also threw in the Argentina election. You know, maybe Musk is, especially this was after meeting Netanyahu, is pretty far right, that he's just deciding the political climate in 2024 leans hard right. And it, he's a trendsetter, so he's leading harder right before any of them do. And thus his audience was not the New York Times or the people at a New York Times event. But, but, you know, people who are watching from elsewhere, hence his earth uh, uh, evocation. 
Yeah. Um, you know, my rather pessimistic comment with regards to I don't think anything is going to change uh, about him uh, was also motivated a little bit by this really weird uh, PR redemption tour that he did, uh, you know, and because I was sitting here in disbelief, right, as a German in New York. I see what he basically tweeted about and I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, this must be the end. Next thing I see is I turn the TV on and he's sitting there with President Netanyahu and I'm thinking, who gives him even the time of the day here, right? I just insulted your people and now I'm having coffee and cookies with you. How's, how's that even possible? But this is why he's kind of a stooge because I'm not convinced you know, th this was the same argument I originally had for, for Trump. And, mm. and, and I, I kind of don't apply it to Trump anymore. But I wonder. And this is the uh, question. Is, is he an ideologue or is he an opportunist? Right? Mm. Does he really believe in these ideas? Or is he just playing to a rabid crowd that is the most worked up and from an internet perspective, really energize algorithms? Like these people trend topics. These people like... If, yeah. if the advertisers are abandoning X, then yeah. maybe the, the nut jobs and the right wing crazies are its salvation. And if he can attract them and make them think that this is the platform of freedom of speech, then, you know, and, and that's where Netanyahu saw Musk as easy propaganda. Like on the one hand, he's like, oh, look at this clown saying this stuff. But I bet I could pressure him to come here and be a propaganda expert, which he was. Like Musk looked like an idiot, but Netanyahu looked like a statesman, whereas Netanyahu is a war criminal. And yeah. anything Netanyahu can do, Netanyahu can do to not be seen as a war criminal, i.e., someone who talks to CEOs, then it benefits Netanyahu. See, see, and I don't think that Netanyahu looked like a statesman. Biden not inviting Musk to this whatever summit he just is holding, that is being a statesman, right? Not talking about it, but just leaving out the invite to the bully. That is doing the right thing here. But I want to quickly go back to something else that you said. You mentioned uh, Musk's uh, fable for comedians, right? And I think that is a really, really interesting point. If you look at his uh, performance at the uh, Yearbook Conference and compare that with um will smith's freak out at the what was it emmys or you know Oscar. where you oscars where you walk on stage and slap the guy into the face yeah i see a similarity. Get the name of your wife out of my mouth out of your mouth yeah 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 i see a similarity here in you know with regards to causing outrage and and that is being performed by a guy who basically tried to dominate the tabloids with a fake uh you know ring fight with mark zuckerberg um right someone you know we spoke tr about trump earlier trump was uh, having a tv show and then became president of the united states right um musk is an entrepreneur turned what you know visiting president netanyahu during the war trying to fight being an athlete what is that even right so well, i think it's also a test of our times a testament of our times how the lines are so blurry. No wonder the guy is confused. Now, if we were a conspiracy podcast, which we're not, we would Thank focus God. We would Thank focus God. on NBC Universal as the link. Because, mm. of course, they hosted The Apprentice, 
right? The same way uh, that Linda is now helping X. But no, I, I'm making that as Linda. A joke. It's all about Linda. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm making that as a joke. But I think the point that you're making, which is quite profound, is the way in which mythology has taken over our contemporary narrative. Yeah. You know, I, I, I did a, a gig yesterday where, where I started and I gave this little bit about myths versus science. And I sort of said they're not oppositional. Right. Society has a role for both the way society has a role for politics and religion. And similarly, I, I'm you know, religion should be focused more on science in a contemporary society than mythology. But we now live in a society where mythologies are the more dominant stories because it's easier for someone to make up a story than it is to prove one that is correct. It's more entertaining. It's more sensational. It's more likely to be shared across social media platforms. So in both Trump and Musk, we have people who are, and, and I, I say this with both mockery and admiration, they are masters of mythology, right? Miss Both of their careers are based on mythology, not reality. Their brands are based on mythology, not reality. And their politics, and this is what I meant by opportunistic, I think they just say whatever they can to get attention, right? I think, you know, your point about Musk versus Zuckerberg in, in a, uh, uh, the octagon, right? That, that's just Musk seeing an opportunity to get people giving him attention and writing stuff about him. But I think when it comes down to, for example, the myth of Tesla, we may be seeing these myths start to unravel. Because the other interesting news piece that we should show, uh, throw into our discussion is, of course, the Cybertruck and the unveiling of the Cybertruck. And I, I follow this only because, you know, Jeanette really wants an electric truck. She, she hates the fossil fuel industry mm. so much that she would love to replace our Ford F-150 with an EV. But the Cybertruck's a complete disaster. Like... On technical specs, if you're a nerd who knows nothing, you might think it's really cool. But it's, it cost way, it took way longer to produce. It had huge cost overruns, right? And it's going to have all sorts of problems moving forward. So I kind of feel that this, these are people who have built their entire careers on myth. And now we're reaching a point where their myths are less and less effective. Where does that leave them? And I think that's why I, I uh, I'm not saying that they will diminish, but I am saying I think things are changing as we move forward into 2023. Yep, myth, myth, uh, and as you were talking about it, I was thinking borrowed equity, right? Because you know they borrow equity from and of themselves. SpaceX is uh, without a doubt. I have not heard much criticism. A really, really innovative, super successful, you know, cutting edge company while um, Twitter certainly isn't anymore. And there is, I'll come to uh, Tesla in a second, uh, quite some doubt around uh, Tesla too. I'm even wondering whether myth is the right word or, the, or whether illusion um, might be better. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, not so long ago when I worked uh, in advertising and my client was a German car manufacturer, I happened to one evening watch... Uh, Jay Leno's Garage, which was a show on, I don't know what, CNBC or so. And he was talking about Elon Musk. And he literally said, I, I remember this quote because I could not believe that he said that. Jay Leno said on TV, he said, people are going to buy a Tesla 
because Elon Musk can land a spaceship on the moon. Yeah, because that's that period. Period. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? It's truth. It's truth. This is absolutely true. And um, you well, know, truth. Is... Truth is another interesting word for you to throw in. And and allow me to ask you a question about illusion, because because yeah. I think that that's an important idea for us to explore. You know the 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 science the contrast between science and myth and it's not a, it's not an either or because it's a both right is that they're both forms of storytelling so where what is illusion coupled with and i think the gut response would be reality but i don't think that's appropriate here because part of what makes this also complicated is the uh, fluidity of reality Right. The fact that we live in a world where virtual reality is not a crazy idea and competing realities are a, a very a, a dynamic part of our politics. So what is the coupling of illusion? Is it substance? Is it, uh, uh, you know, uh, a brick and mortar? Because I think you're, you're right. I think illusion is very much part of the process. But I what think, is I think go ahead. I think it is it is it is reality and it's really funny that you bring this up here because prior to our conversation when I you know thought what am I going to talk about I took one note down here and uh, the note re literally reads repeating hideous point of views often enough until they become you know, perceived truth, which is another, you know, parallel. Uh, but I, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't use the word perceived. They become truth. Right. Yes. And that's why True. when, when yeah. you were, you know, I, I've been more and more trying to be mindful of how I use these words yeah. to kind of catch my own biases. But I, so to come back to this word reality, cause I, cause I, you know, I, I, I want to play with it a little further. Yesterday, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I did this gig where I talked about Echopunks and, and I shared and, and I have this paragraph now in my intro that sort of describes Echopunks as helping people navigate divergent realities or helping people navigate turbulent realities. And I think that is a huge part of it, because I think the nature of illusions means it's very difficult for people to identify what's real. Like if we live in a society where illusions have now become the majority, that you, you, most more of what we experience every day is an illusion rather than a reality. If you assume that people spend time scrolling on Instagram and watching YouTube and playing video games and watching you know TV shows mm. on streaming platforms, Right. We're spending our time every day in illusions, in fictions, in virtual realities. And it's harder and harder and harder to decipher. Like I watched the latest Indiana Jones movie and it was I, I kind of thought it was not just, you know, what used to be a movie made into a video game. This was a video game made into a movie like the AI involved in this film was unbelievable. I watched the full credits. And the VFX artist was page after page after page of names in paragraph format. And this is where I think, to your point, people's uh, a struggle to decipher what is real when we have leaders like Musk who their success is based entirely on their mastery of illusion, right? On their employment of myth and the way in which people cannot decipher 
that they are illusions or myth. They really believe that this guy is the titan of industry and the brilliant human who will carry us to Mars when all the fossil fuels we've used to, you know, build our society causes this planet to perish. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you uh, an, an example here, right? Um, for the last two or three years, if not longer, uh, Musk's crusade on, on Twitter was all centered on, you know, freedom of speech. Yeah. which has absolutely no role in this discussion when we yeah. talk about a privately held communication platform. Yeah. But but he keeps repeating this again and again and again and again and still today talks about freedom of speech and everyone is piping into this, although it has absolutely no point yeah. in the entire discussion, right? Yeah. So this is an entirely um, fake and artificial argument where there is no need no, no no grounds to even have one although it does conveniently mythologize freedom of speech because it takes something which is legal right based in constitutional law and transforms it into something it isn't right uh, governing speech on a private platform but in turning it into a mythology it robs it of its original meaning so it's, it sets the ground for what Trump has been promising if he's reelected, which is vengeance against his enemies, right? Which is, you know, a, a war on journalists, a war oh, on critics. It, it mythologizes it mythologizes themselves too, right? Yeah. The, um, you know, fighters and advocates, uh, the guardian angels of the freedom of speech. By the way, I heard today that Trump has apparently also set a car in the house for everyone. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm for this if I could vote if I could vote but come on know, my I, German friend yes. isn't that national socialism right all the spoils for us and death and destruction to everyone else you're right and he never said that probably yeah. he, he now will say you know that you confront him with this he never said that Jesse no, no he, he would accuse that. me of being the national socialist and he's just pursuing the American dream Right. right true. You know, true. that that is the twist. And, and that is the, the beauty of their dance, that it is always everyone else. It is never I. Right. It's right. the advertisers who are responsible for tanking Twitter and turning it into the monstrosity that is X. Not me. Not me, Mr. Musk. Yeah. And, and it's amazing that, um, uh, you know, we're talking about a South African being so, um, you know, constitution, constitution, constitution here. No, oh, he's right. not though, right? He's yeah. that—that's the paradox. He—he's very much pro-apartheid, but yeah, no, I think. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, now no, 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 the question is, you know, what is going to 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 happen with all of this, right? Or what is anyone going to do about this? So my hypothesis is uh, negative in the sense that uh, you know what this whole performance uh, means might be um, a further loss of manners uh, virtue and good conduct uh, in society and the world because if the richest man in the world can openly on stage in front of millions if not billions of people say someone should go fuck themselves then why would anyone anyone who is in adolescence uh, you know care for doing any better than this right and the other thing is what is going to happen to you know, the quote-unquote business empire resulting out of all of this. So I, I, I think those are excellent points, and I, I agree. I think 
you know, he the 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 pandemic of rudeness was already underway, but Elon Musk's full lean into it will accelerate it even further. I I do very much uh, agree with that. Although I I don't see that entirely as a negative. I think that there are positives that come from that chaos that, you know, the, the phrase I used yesterday was we need a new framework for respect. And, you know, this framework for respect, you know, it is, is, is something that will be born out of this chaos. I, I, I very much believe, but to your point about his business empire, what if, and, and here I want to set up our, uh, one of our salons coming up in the next few weeks, you know, what if his interest in his business empire is being shifted into an interest in a political empire? And that political empire does not have to involve him being in political office because political office comes with a lot of vulnerabilities, as Mr. Trump is sorely now understanding via his legal uh, trials and tribulations. But I, I also, to your point, you know, you've had, I think, a, a very reasonable, logical cynicism as to whether people will respond to these clowns. And, and I do think that that X is witnessing a, a, a demographic shift, a, 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 a shift in its constituency, because there are, I know a lot of people, and I don't just mean friends, I mean visible celebrities and experts and intellectuals who are and actively leaving X. And I think that that is a, a quite significant in the sense that I think we are seeing a loss of power, a loss of influence, where X is just not going to be able to do what it used to. And, and maybe that's why Elon Musk's performance at DealBook was what it was. Maybe he sees the writing on the wall. Maybe he knows it's going to fail, and he's already creating the myth of failure by trying to blame other people for its demise. But... I think 2024 is going to be a year of conflict to bring it back to your point of rudeness. And I think it's going to be a conflict that, you know, uh, a Trump and Musk are going to be leading on the one hand, but I think what we're seeing in the, in the mass movements uh, against the bombings in Gaza is also a kind of populist movement that could resist, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the kind of uh, uh, far right, uh, uh, so the far right tendencies that we're starting to see across society. I have to say, I mean, I personally almost consider Twitter a write-off by now. I have to say, uh, for the last year, I have not heard one single person say, "Oh, you know, I saw this great thing on Twitter," or "Jan, you should really check this and that out." Uh, right? So um, I only hear negative things. What I found really interesting um, is your political reference here. Um, because when you think of ecosystems and networks, right, he's got Starlink already heavily involved in the uh, war in Ukraine. Then he's flying to see President Netanyahu on a whim, uh, right, when the whole world is watching. Uh, I find this is a really, really interesting point. Um, You know, what makes me wonder is how long is he going to maintain his uh, supporters? Because when he acquired Twitter, he collected money. It was not all his own money, right? He had influential friends who had, you know, billions and chip in billions for him to uh, purchase this. 
But you know, n none of them will be happy to have lost five hundred million dollars in this, right? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And and no? and here's, I think no. you're making a totally valid point. Mm -hmm. But I think you're also making the inverse argument at the same time. Elon Musk is very well connected, right? One of the biggest backers of his Twitter acquisition was the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund, mm -hmm. right? Uh, another one of his major backers is Larry Ellison, right? The CEO and yes, founder of Oracle. I knew that, yeah. And I think to these people, 500 million or whatever is nothing. I think a billion dollars to these people is nothing. I think... Elon Musk, to your point about Netanyahu, Elon Musk is playing a geopolitical game that we are only getting whispers of because he has access to Xi Jinping, right? He has access to, you know, uh, uh, MBS in Saudi Arabia. He has access to some of the most powerful people in the world. And maybe he knows something uh, that, you know, the mainstream doesn't. When it comes to what's what is on the the horizon politically, economically, and I I kind of feel that this is this is sort of a good point for us to wrap up, and 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 I'll give you a moment to share any final thoughts, but I I feel that this is a good setup for our salon on on the rise of the far right, that as we you know head into the end of 2023 and 2024, I think part of what we'll do here at Echopunks is the usual kind of you know, assessing the trends, kind of ripping apart other people's predictions and, and trying to understand kind of what's coming. Because I think, you know, the insight I got from the client work I did yesterday is, you know, normally, you know, you, you keep making, I think, a really powerful point about how brands are going to be at the forefront of social change and that brands are going to be the ones who, you know, when, when times really get dark, have a profit motive in providing the light. And the people I was with yesterday understood that implicitly, right? And really recognized the commercial opportunity of doing the right thing. And that partly involves understanding the political climate and understanding, you know, how the political climate, especially ahead of time, is shaping the culture, is shaping people's confidence, people's emotions, people's positions. And, and that, you know, really makes me think that part of our job here at Echopunks from an ecosystem perspective is, is to try to understand all of society, right? From the multidisciplinary perspective of you need to have a, a good sense of the big picture to understand specific details. Yeah, I find this geopolitical uh, point fascinating, right? The, the question, uh, what are the news behind the news, right? What does... What is the real news here? Um, I find this really, really interesting. Um, again, as I was uh, trying to mentally prepare here for our conversation, you know, I felt at some points I thought, hey, this was a really, really weird performance. You know, does that remind me of the Truman Show? And if so, then who is Truman? Am I Truman or, <laughs> is, Elon, or, or is Elon Musk Truman, right? Yeah. Uh, then I thought, uh, you know, this is, this is absurd and bizarre. Uh, is this the real Hunger Games here? And um, again, the, the, the merging of multiple identities, right? Uh, what, what makes a person think that, A, it's a good idea, and B, that they can be entertainer, entrepreneur, politician, and athlete, um, and artist at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
And what does that tell us about our, our society here? Because I, I bet you when he came and walked off that stage at Dealbook, he probably asked the first person he ran into, and how was I? Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I would even go further. I imagine he's the kind of narcissist that he carries someone along in his entourage, in his team, who mm. that is the person he asks, and that is the person who says, you killed, man. You killed it. Ignore what they said, man. It was great. You fucking knocked it out of the park. Like, I almost yeah. imagine that he has someone like that. And, and I laughed when you said, you know, the Truman Show reference. But the, I laughed for two reasons, both because I thought it was hilarious. But then I thought, wait a minute, who's the punk? Is Musk right. the punk? Or are we no. the punks? Right? Is yeah. he punking us or are we punking him? And this is where I, I, again, if we were a conspiracy show, we would dig deeper into this. But we're not. So I will just leave it there. You know how many kids this guy has? Like, do you 20, know? 27 from 28 wives or so. And, uh, and growing. And, and, and like a lot of it is like one of his closest uh, lieutenants is uh, one of his surrogate moms who is like been a surrogate for three or four of his kids. Right. Mm. And like, you know, he is someone who very much believes that his genetics are superior and the fate of the human race depends upon him having as many children as possible. So think of it this way. Short of 100% inheritance tax that prevents his kids from getting his empire, he's creating his own corporation to take over him with all these musks who are going to run wild with all... Anyway, so maybe and, it's good that he crashes his empire. And and I, if I may add, you know, some inside information. He is an involved dad in so far that he dropped... Uh, you know, he probably does it for more than one kid, but I know for a fact that he dropped one of his kids off at uh, Brown University. It happened in the middle of the night, but he was there to drop the kid off, right? Yes, Not at normal yes. hours like other people, but he was there. But you, you may say it was a fact, and I'm sure it is, but it's part of the myth now. Exactly. And <laughs> who, knows, who knows who was inside that car, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And of course, the myth of the Echopunks lives on. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, please rate it uh, on your favorite Google Maps uh, A&W location or anywhere else you could find an opportunity to rate the Echopunks. Uh, we'll be back, hopefully within a few days, to talk about maybe the death of advertising or other hot topics that are currently creating chatter amongst the Echopunks network, or at least that's what my friends at the Five Eyes tell me. So thanks, Jan. And, uh, Thank we'll you, Jesse. That was fun. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon.